for joining we are not our secrets i'm jj today's guest is vanetta roseman she is from mississippi i met her at the peabody vance community festival where i held my book signing she is a mother of one vanetta served in the united states air force for 24 years in the electronics field She speaks at engagements regarding STEM research. She loves to empower young girls to branch out into the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics fields. Her mission is to help others by education and financial literacy, as well as empowerment as a woman. She has been retired for five years from the military and in the last two years decided to start entrepreneurship. As always, my guests have such outstanding careers and backgrounds, and I'm so honored when they take my stage to talk to me humbly about their aces so that we can all be empowered to move forward and to educate the communities in how we can stop generational cycles. Hi, Vanetta. How are you? Hello, JJ. I'm well. How are you? Oh, I'm just wonderful. I'm so happy that you took the time out and speak with me on my podcast. It is such a pleasure and honor. How's your week been going? It has been going great. I have no complaints. I'm surprised at how quickly that we've come into February and we're already just moving so quickly on into this month. I know. I can't believe it's 2024. <laughs> um, The second month. The almost the second week. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Vanetta, your time in the Air Force, I know that was exciting, and I'm sure it also had its moments of concern, you know, in the military. Mm-hmm. A woman in the military, yeah. that's just phenomenal. And I want to thank mm-hmm. you for your service. Thank you. You know what it was? Because I didn't know what to expect. So I can say that it has been exciting or was exciting and it was something that taught me a lot. A lot of times I like to tell people, you know, how I actually joined the military was by mistake because I like to eat. My recruiter invited me out for free lunch. I said, okay, I'll go. Came back home and I told my mom, you know, I think I joined the Air Force. So, 24 years later, I can say that I learned a lot, I met a lot of people, and I I was put in a lot of positions where it, I was the only woman. So, you know, that's where it made that challenge. I was the only female. I was the only female of color in the field that I was in. So, it was something that I had to, it helped me to grow. That is awesome. And oftentimes when we're thrown into different situations as black women or people of color in an all white environment, we have different experiences culturally. We get to know different cultures, uh, white cultures, maybe Japanese, some things like that, but primarily white cultures here in the United States. And as a result, 
we began to outreach differently and we're able to hobnob with different people. And sometimes people who look like us or who are Black, they may sometimes condemn us for that. But it's just our experiences and we branch off. Once you have camaraderie with others and you find out that you have so much in common, you begin to look at people differently. I wish Mm -hmm. everybody could experience this interactions with each other. It's actually the system that is set up that keeps us separate. But when we're around and we talk with people, we find out we have more in common than different. And it's sad that we don't have those interactions more among everyone. You know, uh, society is not meant to be cut off. It's nation building that cut us off, Mm -hmm. seeking for their own personal gains. It's funny how you said that. You actually shared that in your book. I I have read (laughs) portions of your book and I saw that in the friends that you gain, the people that you met, even though you come from somewhere that's totally different and it's not the same, you're not the same, but when you get into a different environment, we're all, we all have the same goal. We're all here doing whatever that is, right? So for me being in the military, so my friends, my, my, the people, my neighbors, everyone looked different versus how I may have came into the military and we worked cohesively, right? So Mm -hmm. you're exactly right. Yeah. So um, that's an experience we have. It doesn't mean we are disowning our own race. I hear people saying that, you know, sometimes we're just uh, branched out. It's an experience that we had. And we can now grow from it and become a, a different human being, not in the our ideas and thoughts, but in just acceptance of others. I appreciate you sharing your uh, story with me. And sometimes when I'm talking as the host, I just speak from my heart and what my experiences are. And I mm-hmm. hope that it is received and I hope that uh, I can convey my message and uh oftentimes it is uh perceived the same like your experience was the same as mine some people Mm -hmm. weren't like that uh we know that other people may be in those environments and not experience a positive uh, outcome but uh, for us it was positive and that was my experience and how i felt about it and those most often is what i see and have heard. I haven't heard the um, other sides. And individually, we know that that is something that happens. We also know that uh, racism is on a global level and us intermingling doesn't take that away on a, on a wide spectrum. However, if everyone got to know each other, perhaps some of this stuff would go away and stop treating us as if we are subpar and that we can't integrate It's based on opportunities, you know, for everybody. It's just a matter of opportunity. My son experienced the same thing, definitely. The first 12 years of his life, he didn't see a lot of things that he has experienced in Mississippi. The differences, the still like segregations of things. He didn't see that. He didn't understand it. It was so, it, it was just like a melting pot. It's like, of course, we have differences when you look at each other, but ultimately, I mean, it was just kids playing, you know, and it's different. Yes, and I really am glad that he had that experience as a child. I know he will 
take that with him wherever he goes. And mm -hmm. it's sad that you come to the South because I now moved from California of 25 years and came here to Tennessee. And you do have some of the same old stigmas that are surrounding you. In California, I felt so free from racism, not that it didn't exist, but I felt free. No one talked mm -hmm. about these racial issues. People would invite me to their uh, parties. They would just say their friends were coming. You never knew what race until you got there. And right. nobody talked about race. We talked about having fun. We played games. We went to movies. We watched movies. We had dinners. We had outings. We had events. We were striving to be our authentic selves and yeah. had the same thing in mind, taking care of our family and careers and trying to succeed in life. I mean, that was my experience with that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes, that is it. It's my son. I, I'm, I appreciate you saying that too. And what's funny is that it was the first 12 years we're in California as well. So for my son, and, and, and it's just true, you know, it's really true how he could be free, like his friends, like everyone was different and we did everything together. So yeah, I often say, and then I'm going to get off this subject for a little bit, yeah. but I often say I wish that everybody from the South who was born and raised in the South had mandatory five-year experience without their family in California or some <laughs> other place that had Washington or some place with a yeah. pot of different personalities and peoples and experiences. And it will stop some of this preconceived ideas about people. Mm -hmm. You would be made to interact with everyone and it will change their lives forever. I'm sure of that. Right. We can do that. But that's in my fairy tale head. <laughs> <laughs> I know. So, Vanetta, you're on the show today because you read my book. I met you at my festival. We talked about generational cycles. And I was looking for people to be on my podcast and talk about their ACEs. ACEs are adverse childhood experiences or events. That's what they are referred to in the psychology world. And we were talking about most everyone has them and generational cycles because they're passed down generationally starting dating back 30,000 years ago if we start with the Roman and Greek empires. Now, it, we can go back further because nation building started before that. But we're just going to start there. So 30,000 years ago, we know nations were built and most nations will mimic how those nations were built. And what they did was they took pillage, plundered. They didn't ask nicely, may I have your land? No. <laughs> they mm -hmm. took it and they built their nations. It builds up what we have materially, but it left off what we needed emotionally. And so mm. as a result, many of us have throughout our lifetimes inherited things that are not emotionally stable for us. And so as a child, there are a lot of things that creates this emotional instability or actually neglect or trauma or generational cycles. Mm. Uh, I was wanting to ask you, did you experience any adverse experiences any aces when you were growing up you know i can say there are actually several things that i can say that i went through and it would start with in school 
I didn't realize until being an adult that I was being harassed. Um, I don't know if I can say this, but sexually harassed. I didn't realize, assaulted. Yeah, I didn't realize that because people would um, take it upon themselves to touch me because um, of my body shape. They would touch me starting at six. And, and I mean, you know, kids in my class, like thinking wow. it's a joke and playing around as far as um, touching me on my bottom. And I then said, you know, you laugh, you, and well, I never laughed, but they laughed. And I, I was, was like, I don't like you doing it. Stop doing it because it's my body. And I went from a six-year-old probably all the way up to, I remember being a senior and people were doing that. And I was like, are you serious? We're about to graduate high school. You find it appropriate to touch me when I didn't ask you to? So I think those things, and then realizing, like, that was assault. Like, you don't have yeah. the right to touch me like that. Um, and, yes. and And let me mention that for a minute. I'm sorry that you went through that. And it was inappropriate, yes, as six years old and it's inappropriate as 18-year-old because mm -hmm. no one has the right to touch you. We talk about these things so that teachers should be aware of this. And what happens is oftentimes in school, the teachers may not say anything because if that mm -hmm. happened to you all that time, I'm sure you told somebody or she heard you saying, stop. Yes. Him, but usually it's teach women teachers 98%. So I just have that habit of saying that. But the teacher should have heard you or said something. They never did. Never. I'm going to tell you one of the most traumatic events for me. I was getting ready to end junior high school. And two boys pulled me into the restroom. And a teacher came because she heard noise, right? Because my feet are sliding. I'm literally in no way moving forward to go with them. They're pulling me. I'm saying no. Teacher comes out of the room because of the noise and my rejection to this that's happening to me, which is another assault, right? <laughs> I got suspended. I got suspended an honor student, principal list, missed no days of school because of what was happening to me. Lord have mercy. So if I told a teacher, <laughs> apparently it didn't matter. Maybe it was something I was doing, even though I have no, you know, I have no past of that I was this child or doing anything as but going to school to learn and excelling. And and so I would never say anything. I would never say anything. Were you in Mississippi but then? I was. I was. Was the teacher mm -hmm. white or black? She was white. She was white. She was white. And, and the reason why I say that is today we have the juvenile system in Tennessee. Like I said, I moved from California to Tennessee. The juvenile system had to be reprimanded by the DOJ, by the federal government. They're throwing more black children, juvenile situations in comparison to white students. So in yes. Tennessee and Mississippi, that's why I said mm -hmm. I would love people to get out of Tennessee, the South, you know, different areas and branch out because your preconceived ideas of people is something that is part of nation building. 
It started. That's our history. And so you're being dragged into the bathroom fighting. I want to say the principal at the time was actually black, but and like I'm saying, I'm ne- I didn't even have any issues with, you know, my behavior, my grades or anything that would insinuate that I was going to flip out at the end of the year. <laughs> you know, I want to go in the bathroom with some boys. It was it was terrible. I, I really, you know, I really were remember boys, that. Were, how the that made me feel. were the boys white? No, they were nope. boys, two <laughs> boys. And you're <laughs> the one who gets suspended. There's no way in shape or form that that should have been right. And so we're running into that as well. And that's something I'm bringing out for my podcast. These are conversations that are to be had. We have done enough sugarcoating and not seeing uh, apple for apple long enough. If Do we want to correct generational cycles? And that does include racism also. So we need to open our eyes. And I'm not saying that teacher was. I don't know what she thought. I don't know what was conveyed, you know, like what she thought she saw, what she thought she heard. But what I'm saying is, based on your experience, it seems Mm -hmm. as if there was some bias and she didn't take the time to listen to you. Oftentimes, they don't understand how detrimental it is for us. Like you said, that is very traumatic for you. Black boys that I, you know, black boys that I knew, like in my class. Either way, white or black, I was thinking maybe there's some bias there too, but it's a shame. Patriarchal society that we are raised on, that's also something that needs to be addressed. They seem to be given the benefit of the doubt and -hmm. and girls and women and are blamed for it. We're trying to get away from that. Like Dr. Bob on the show before you said, women, girls are taught to be nice. So mm-hmm. instead of them getting on the boys, uh, they get on the girls. I see that in society among, this is very controversial what I'm about to say now, but I see it in households sometimes where, where parents may cater to the son. Now this is just a fact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just be aware of that, too, as parents, that we need to set um, conditions where there's fairness, because that's part of generational cycles to be so hard on us, on us. Black girls especially have had it difficult because we can't even express how we feel. We can't have tears, you know. It's not fair. If when I talk to someone that has a girl and I have a son, if I hadn't been allowed to have a girl, it wouldn't be different. You have the same kind of principles and morals that you should, You both of you have the same. You're going to treat people the same way. You're going to respect other women as a young man, as a young lady. You're going to be respected and you're going to respect the young men. Like, that's it should be the same i can never understand that when people are like oh okay this is a boy and they can do this and the girl oh no you can't do that well who is he going to do those things that you're giving him permission to do with but somebody's daughter so everyone is due respect everyone is due respect i applaud that because <laughs> i you know i preach that on my show so you are <laughs> I, I i'm look i'm 100 behind that <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so um, thank you for being candid and open. Going back to these events, sometimes I know aren't easy. So that was uh, one of your adverse events. You said you had several, unfortunately. So if you could uh, go into that a little bit. 
so that's in school and going from how I was treated with and in my body being objectified and even um that that bathroom experience um and then i grew up with having someone who was on drugs and as a child um, i was about 12 years old having to grow up to really grow up because i had to to go through that time as a caregiver for my grandmother, as um, support to who was in my home. So I went through that as a child and realizing how that impacted me. You know, they say that children that are of addicts become the parents. They are the, like you said, the caregiver. So at a young age, at 12, you were caregiver for your grandmother and your mother was an addict. And so you were caring for two adults then as a child. And my sister for, for a small amount of time. For a mm. small amount of time. Yes. Okay. How, 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 how many years behind you was your sister? 12. She's 12 years behind <laughs> yeah. you. So she was one. Yes. Wow. So she, my God. So you're, I don't even know how you kept your grades up. I did because, I mean, it wasn't continuously, but there were times where um, it, it was some things that my my sister went through, some things that I went through, and I'm thankful for my mother. She's recovered, and I thank God that we learned, we, we loved through that, and we learned. So it was challenging. I remember times going, searching for her because she wasn't at home, and I'm like, okay, where is she in my sisters at home and my grandmother and I'm like that was the few the little time where it was like I was a parent I'm like where is she at she's not home I go out to look for her I'm walking because I'm not driving and it yeah it, it yeah. was interesting to say the least but I can say that I was at my grade stayed up everything stayed like it should as far as you know anyone no one would see that from the outside looking in no, no yeah. one would see Do you have any advice for children that are the offspring of addicts? Do you have any advice for them? I would say to be patient, to be to be patient because young as a child, all I knew was a different mother. The reason she was at that point was because it was traumatic. Something very traumatic happened to her. And well, she found my sister's dad dead. And um, that was very traumatic. And it turned everything around for her. So as a child, all I can say is being patient because you will get through it. And not to be so hard, even though they're the parent, to not be so hard on them. To a certain point, I was a little hard. And I was like, what is going on? Like, get it right. together. Maybe and, have conversations with them then about why and what happened maybe they'll open up to them definitely and i did but it came to the point when when she was like i'm fed up and i want to change my life and it went from there so um, that's why i say the patient part being patient because hopefully some people don't always come out but Hopefully, you know, they come to that realization that I have a family. I have people that are depending on me. I love them and I love me. So I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing and do my best to, you know, get back to who I know I am. 
and that's what happened for my mom. So I'm thankful. That's why I was saying as a child that just being patient and definitely if you can talk to them, definitely and listen, listen to them because she was going through something that was big. My heart goes out to her and my heart goes out to you because you were a child. There are some children who are not your age, right? You were 12, a 12 year old. I don't know if that's when it started. Mm -hmm. For her yes. addiction, started 12 for you? Yes. yes. Okay. Yes. So you were able to rationalize at 12 years old. You know what I mean? You, you yeah. are able to give grace and you're able yeah. to be patient and you're able to look back at, as a 12 year old would be different from like a one or two year old that needed their needs met. So hopefully the state will kick in. If not, those of us around people like that, we could reach out and try to help or, 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 you know, situation I've seen where when I was growing up, this next door neighbors to me one time. And one time I used to be a Jehovah's witness going door to door. And this little kid just ran straight out the door and there were nobody home mm. at the house. The one kid looked like they were about three taking care of a little baby. Mm. And then one time I saw a kid run across the street. And then one time our next door neighbor kid was just out early in the morning, digging in the dirt and about to go into the street. I had to take and knock on the door, put her back in. But these are the things that you can be patient as 12 year old, probably eight years old and up. If you're under that, it'd probably be kind of difficult because you don't know what that means you just are being neglected but i yes. feel that it's just a hard it's a hard life i always say to myself if you're under those ages right it's like how do you even make it in life but um that's what i used to say you know but people mm -hmm. do you know oftentimes we know that in-laws and immediate family will kick in and help and you do oftentimes make it through it foster care system hopefully kicks in better. I hope they overhaul it with more funds and everything because I hear that the places they stay and stuff aren't that good. But it's kind of like you don't have a choice if you're certain ages, but to be in foster care, you know, is younger ages. But I thank you for opening up about addiction. Oftentimes people don't even know what generational cycles are or what trauma is. For sure, parents who are addicted are part of that generational trauma. Grief can have a very detrimental effect on us. Those yeah. are things that we should talk about because if we don't talk about it, then it will grab a hold of us and take over our lives. And that's what yeah. happened with your mom. It was so traumatic that it took over her life. I can't speak for everyone. I know grief is hard, but if mm -hmm. we say this, grief is another part of life and we will get through that too. And your mom yeah. came through it. Thank God. Yes. Yeah. So if we look at it like that, instead of the end all be all, because at the at the when we're going through the midst of these griefs, we mm -hmm. think that's the end all be all. We don't see tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So that's the only thing I'll say on grief is that let's know that there's a tomorrow. So it doesn't take us down rabbit holes. Let's, yeah. let's lean on others and tell them how we feel, get the help and therapy if we need it. And mm -hmm. let's, uh, that's the only thing advice I have for, 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 for that. 
and I'm not trying to judge anyone. I'm just saying, how do we prevent generational cycles? I believe that we talk about it. I believe that we address it as best we can. I believe that we say all our emotions are valid and we will in life experience everything, not just good things. We should start from day one saying, you are going to experience grief and sadness and and whatever and pain, but you're going to get through that. It's just another facet. It's just like joy. It doesn't last every day and all the time. And nor right. does grief. Nor does grief. So that's that's what I want to say on that. I was going to ask. I can let her talk now. Um, what you could? What you say? I said I. I could let her answer that question. We want her to come in real quick. Hi, is this uh, Vanetta's mother? Yes, it is. Well, hi, I'm JJ. I'm the host of We Are Not Our Secrets, a show. And I talk about when we were children. We're adults now, but I'm trying to stop generational cycles, right? And yeah. I was talking to Vanetta about hers. And she said, my mother could answer that question better. So I'm going to ask you this. Uh, do you have any advice for someone who experienced a deep grief and addiction? Do you have any advice for them? Or can you tell us anything that you would like, would like to hear from you? Grief? I, I don't have I don't have the advice right now. I'm looking into that myself. But uh Addiction, I know that it has to be, it has to be a, a change mind. Your mindset has to change that you can be better, do better. And you have to just, in your heart, just be real about it with yourself. And once you really like forgive yourself for all the stuff that went on while you was uh, in that, I guess that cloud, yeah. once you forgive yourself, then start to me and start asking other people to forgive me that I wrong, I, I begin to be different. And and truly, myself, I gave it to God. I gave it to God. I needed him to take control of whatever my thoughts was, to take the taste from me. And it happened. It happened with me by me just surrendering myself and mine to God. That, that's it for me. I thank you so much for giving us that information, I'm sure it's going to help people. And I appreciate you. And I'm sorry that you had to go through the loss of loved ones. It's a hard thing to go through. And I'm glad that you and your daughter and family have made it to this great place now and that you're starting to uh, heal and that you've come a long way. And I appreciate you for allowing her to speak on my show and for you to give me your uh, words of wisdom. I thank you. Thank you. You're welcome. JJ. Like Dr. Bob said, it is a spiritual walk. Uh, psychiatrists and counselors are taught to be 
thinkers, not healers. Mm. So we need them both, though, because they can help figure out in their thinking world what's going on. And we really need to know that, too. And that's my experience. I use that for they set a lot of groundwork for me. But then Mm -hmm. I had to dig deep within myself. Like she said, her mindset to change your mindset. Yeah. You have to really dig deep within yourself. Um, I also I do want to go back real quickly to what advice would I give to a younger child? Though I want to go back to that as far as yes. the advice I would give to a child, because yes. I think that is my my sister had a time as well, so she was younger, and I think it was we were very fortunate to have other family and people to to protect us in in those lull times or the times when. Uh, things may have not been totally focused on us, those times we actually had support. We actually had other people, friends, family, and whether they knew everything that was going on, some family I know definitely did. I don't, you know, that our friends did, but they all were there. If you needed a ride from somewhere because, you know, we didn't have anyone to come and get us and show up. Or if it was having someone to support at some event or being there to help with things, then we had those other people around. So if someone doesn't as a young child, I would say reach talking, trying to talk to your parent and then reaching out to someone that you trust for real to actually say, you know, this is what's going on. This is what's happening. Not that you want to be snatching kids out of their homes, but, but to get the support they need. Yes, yes absolutely. 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 That's wonderful. And I Thank you for sharing that because I was saying that the help from others, you know, is very mm-hmm. important. And mm-hmm. like you said, it's not the snatching from the home. It's the support. We all yeah. need each other. I keep saying that we're in a spiritual connection. We look at each other as separate, but we're the same. We yeah. all share the same DNA. We, we're not any different you know we just need to come if we can the world is not easy we all have our own issues but sometimes people if you know someone's having it worse than you and sometimes we don't know that either but we can observe like with our eyes if we see kids running around no shoes and whatever gift you know if you can gift your hand-me-downs people do this anyway though i don't tell people how to act because Basically, <laughs> 97% of the people in the world, in the United States, because that's our statistics that I'm going to give, 97% yeah. of us are doing what we're supposed to do. 3% of us are criminals. And of that mm-hmm. 1% is violent criminals. So mm. 97% of us in the world are doing what we're supposed to do. That's why you see this outpouring of everything. We will come together as a nation and and give gifts and help for events. We've seen it time after time. Yes. So we do that too, but we are bringing up generational cycles, which we aren't even aware of that affects us all. And sometimes people don't know that neglect and uh, drug addicted parents or other adverse events like narcissism. Some parents can bully or you can experience bullying in school. 
that these mm. are all considered ACEs, adverse childhood experiences. Oftentimes, they know that traumatic experience is sexual assault, right? That's yeah. obvious. They know that traumatic experience is physical assault. But we're branching off to let people know that these other things, hollering and screaming at your children and beating them, you know, mercilessly is part of generational cycles. You know, it comes from generational cycles that's passed down. And we have yeah. to really think about our history. And that's what cycles down. But we can stop it if we stop and take a look at it. And if we can get the therapy and help that we need. Therapy has been frowned upon. Perhaps for my family, I'll speak about that. My sister lost her husband. And all of us went through therapy. And we found out that there are stages to grief. Yes. And yeah, and I didn't know that. That has helped me all my life, knowing these different stages of grief. However, I was never told, and this is something I have been speaking on on my show, I was never told uh, that grief is normal, that death no. is normal. I was never yeah. told that. There was a lady who lost her two-year-old, and it was so painful. We had a space on Twitter about it. And she is the one who got me to talk about grief because wow. she said, if society talks about grief more, we can handle that better. Right. So that's why I'm mentioning it. And I thought about it and I thought, you know what? We have been uh, given advice on everything, but not grief. We have it as an end all be all, whereas we'll get over that too. And those are God's gifts they aren't ours to have our lives are not ours they're god's yes and it's the communicating through those stages you're so right because we are going to leave this earth sometimes when it's a two-year-old it's a infant if it's a grandparent or your child, it's all hard. It seems like maybe it's a little bit harder for those because they're a baby. It's a two-year-old, but it's just it's hard. When I lose my grandmother, even though she, I lost my grandmother, even though she lived a long life, it was still hard. But as you're saying, the fact that the matter is, we all leave here, and we don't know when that gift of life is going to end. But it will end. And I, that was a good perspective, too, of her for a two year old to lose your two year old and to actually say, you know what? It, I'm thankful for that time. Basically, I'm thankful. And then to go forward in the healing process of grief because you have to do that. She's a doctor. And so she wrote a book about it in grief. And mm -hmm. I actually felt better after I left her her uh, space. Yes, yeah. we're going to cry. Yes, we're going to feel bad. I just had a death and I was devastated. But guess what? I'm going to get back up. It's an emotion yeah. that we have. And it's okay to cry. It's okay to feel horrible. It's okay yeah. to miss them. It's okay to look at them as legendary because the lady who just died was legendary that I knew about. She did the job mm -hmm. of 50 people. She did so much for the city yeah. of Memphis. And it's going to hurt. That's a loss. She's a civil rights yeah. icon, you know, and we're going to miss that leadership, you know, but yeah. they, leave, you know, they leave their legacies behind and life will be what it will be. And we just have to take the good with the bad and know that mm -hmm. part of our emotions is sadness and pain and grief. 
And we never speak of it like that. We look at it as an end-all, be-all. People kill themselves over not knowing mm -hmm. that grief happens, death happens, mm -hmm. things happen, you know? Yes, and those feelings are all valid. That's the yes. thing. We don't talk about it, then it's not valid. But and communicating with the saying, it's okay. We understand it's normal to feel like that. You're right. That makes it valid and then say, okay, let's yes. get the process to move to the next yes. level. Yes, we will see when when we were growing up, and I I, I know in my generation, because you know, I'm over 60. So in my generation, you definitely were told, man up, you know. Why are you crying? I'll give you something to cry about. You know, we weren't able to express, can't even cry. <laughs> mm, you were raised as a rough girl. <laughs> girl. <laughs> you know, I'm telling you, each generation and the generation before me had it even worse than that. You know, it was like, wow. So, but the thing is, each generation, the conversation Dr. Bob was saying, we're just going to keep talking and having these shows and uh, books and telling our stories and mm -hmm. and hopefully generations to come will benefit from you know our experiences and what we're seeing and not be so devastated and 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 get through life a little better. You know what, Vanetta? I am mm -hmm. so grateful for you sharing your life with me today because I know our experiences will help others because nothing's unique under the sun it's just what's going on now is we can actually put into place preventative measures just by talking about these things helps people i know there are people that are going through what we're talking about as we speak you know it's millions of people out there there's millions of circumstances and events and i hope that the show helps someone and that vanetta's experience helps someone i appreciate you being on my show today and i want to ask you are there any last words i want to say thank you so much jj for allowing me to join you and have this conversation and i really want to thank my mother for allowing me to share as well as i'm thankful who who she is now even though this is my story what I went through because of her, some things, choices in her life, but I'm thankful that she's on the other side and redeemed and not, and we don't have to experience this. Like my nieces, my nephews, my son, they get a different person and they don't get to experience that. And I'm so thankful. And also I'm so grateful that I have the opportunity to live this retired life and serve uh, young women as well as young men, educating them on financial literacy and just going out to my community and pouring into other people. So these things that we go through, they make us stronger. I'm excited about my new uh, life as an entrepreneur to uh, teach people how to save money, make money, and just live a life to the fullest. It's great. That is so nice. Can you uh, give how you can be contacted to the audience? Please reach out to me via social media. I am on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter, Vanetta Roseman. And that's V-O-N as in Nancy, V-O-N-E-T-T-A, Roseman. Rose like the flower and man like a man. And this one word, oh. Vanetta Roseman. And she is on, she said, what, TikTok, Facebook? Instagram and Twitter. Or what is the new Twitter. X. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. X. X. All right. I know how to reach her.
are not our secrets. I'm JJ and have a great day. Thanks for listening. Thank you.